0: Turn yourself off. All right, here we go. You ready? Movie. All right, there we go. Yeah, all right. Now you can hear me. All right, very good. So y'all remember the Lion King movie also? You know, you remember when, when, what was the girl? Was it Puma was the girl? Who? Nana. Nana? Nala. Nala shows up, and, and they're having this conversation. There's the ward hog, and there's there's the Lion King dude, and there's her. And they're having this conversation. Somebody says, uh, you know, I don't know who it was, Puma, I don't know which one it was, said, so let me get this right. You're eating him, and she's eating you, and you're eating that, and we're all okay with this? You know, and you've got to understand that, that that's kind of the way character cannibalism works, you know, is that in this world that we live in, if we're not careful, we're going to get consumed and somehow we become accustomed to having weak character and we're all okay with that. Well, I want to you to know God is not okay with that. God really wants us to be godly people. So what I want to share with you tonight are two things, two cannibals, that you need to watch out for. One is very short, and the other is just a little bit longer. No, it's quite a bit longer, actually. All right, the first one has to do with company matters. Company matters. The second one deals with heart matters, and that's the big part. That's the big part. Now, what do I mean, first off, by company matters? How is that a cannibalism of, of character? Well, in Proverbs, and these are several scriptures, and uh, as I often do, in Proverbs thirteen twenty, Proverbs thirteen twenty, there is a great verse. It says this: "The one who walks with the wise will become wise." So, in other words, if you surround yourself with, with wise people, the author Solomon says, then you yourself will become wise. And I know we can say this, that if we surround ourselves with godly people, then we have a more propensity or a more tendency to be godly. If we present ourselves around purity, our people with purity, there's a chance we ourselves will be, a greater chance will be pure. Absolutely, this is true. This is true. Don't take this lightly and don't take it for granted. Now, the rest of that verse says this. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. A companion of fools will suffer wrong. How many times have you heard this? Oh, he was a good kid. He just got in with the wrong crowd. He was a good man. He just got in with the wrong crowd. And there is some truth to that. We need to make sure and understand that if our character is going to be strengthened, we've got to make sure the most intimate people we hang with, okay, are the ones who have like values like we do, that that are core. Now, listen, listen. I'm going to say this now very clearly. We must make sure that we understand we are evangelists in a lost world. We are not told to nor should we isolate ourselves from the world. We are not to pull ourselves inside our beautiful four walls and and pretend like this is a fort and run away from the world. Rather, we are to embrace the world or those that are in the world so we may lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be intentional in our evangelism. We must reach out to the lost. However, with that said, that does not mean we should take our advice and have our most intimate, close relationships with someone who does not share our core values. You might suffer harm. You might suffer wrong. I'll never forget And the story turned out fine. Uh, A young lady back at Cobden told a story about how she knew better, but she dated a lost boy in a debate dating that boy. And it worked out fine. It worked out fine. Eventually, he did get saved and became a deacon and a good friend of ours and a worship leader. But the truth is, I have seen time and time and time, did I say time? And time again, when someone has embraced a lost person in a close intimate relationship, and guess what? They did not pull them up. They pulled them down. So be so very careful. Cannibalism, be careful. If you walk with the wise, you're going to be wise. But a companion of fools will, is that what it says? Yep, will suffer. Not might, not maybe, will suffer harm. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, is another one. And if you saw the video this morning or every week, you, you saw this verse flash up toward the end with this sermon in, in mind. Do not be deceived, Paul says. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Lays it out right there for you, folks. You know, Corinth was a very carnal culture, and there were new Christians in there, and Paul's saying just be careful. You need to know, be aware, that bad company does corrupt good morals. We've got to guard our character. We have got to, you need to teach your children this. You know what? Can I be honest? It does matter who your kids play with. Do you know where your kid goes to play? I know we're mostly old tonight, but Jimmy, you're here. Thank you for being here. You helped us be a little younger. <laughs> we appreciate that. All right? But do you know, hey, hey, let me, let me help. Oh, we'll see you're here, too. You know, here's the deal. Hey, 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 hey. How about, do we know where our grandkids play with? Do we know? When they go to a child's, someone else's house, do we know what kind of culture they're engaging there? We need to be careful. We need to be careful. Now, now... Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6:11, and again, understand, I am no way advocating we're to get into our little churches and huddle down and run from the world. We need to run to the world for the sake of winning them to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. However, with that said, listen to the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 starting in verse number 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, this is not just, this is not just about a romantic relationship. Okay, You need to be careful. Anytime you enter into a strong relationship with an unbeliever, you run dangers. You understand. Let's say you're a believer and you're going to open a business. Okay, There's a strong possibility if you choose to run your business under biblical standards and then your business partner is an atheist, y'all just might not agree on things. And you're going to be tempted to the cave. Whoever the strongest personality is, you might have a tendency to cave and say, Well, we'll do business like the world. We're not called to do business like the world. We're called to do business differently. So, Paul is not just talking about in romantic relationships. We've got to be very careful in all the relationships that we engage in. So, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with lawlessness and what communion with light has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Biel, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them I will be their God and they will be my people therefore come out from among them and be separate says the Lord do not touch the unclean and I will receive you I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So it does matter how you hang. It does matter. Yes, you, now listen carefully. With all that said, you need lost friends. Somewhere in your world, you've got to have lost friends. Because how are you going to evangelize if you don't know anybody lost? Dave will tell you, I will tell you, Brent will tell you, that that's one of the problems we have as ministers, is a lot of the people we associate with are church people. And we have to be intentional in getting outside the church and meeting people who are lost for the purpose of evangelism, evangelizing them. So it's very important that we have relationships in our world that are lost so we can win them. However, again, that intimate, close relationship should be reserved for believers because they will affect your character. Mark it down. Company matters. Company matters. Then we move into the second cannibal, which is heart matters. Heart matters. The heart is the core of your character. Now we're all we've got an idea we understand tonight. When we talk about the heart, we're not talking about um, the organ beating within our chest. You know, um, we're talking about the, it's the seat of who we are. It's the seat of our emotions. It's the seed of, of all that we are. Is in our heart. It's the core of our being. Again, the New Testament people would would thought the bowels were the seat, and you know, the husband would say, "Oh, honey, I love you with my intestines." We said that didn't work well, so and I'm not being funny. That's really what they would have said because they thought the guts were the, were the seat of the emotions. And so, but we said we love you with all our heart. So, so we understand that. But there are heart matters. At the core of who we are is our character, is our character. Now, there's an old song that I will not sing tonight. Boy, Mama tried didn't go well this morning. I'll try it again next Mother's Day. Um, there's an old song that I sang, and it's older than me. But we sang it back in the youth group when we had our choir. And believe that, we used to have a youth choir and we sat in a room and sang, and we loved it. Um, different world. Anyway, here's the song. It asks the question How about your heart? I know Andy Stanley made a habit. Now, his kids are all grown now, but he made a habit. He would walk in in the evening and put his hand on his children's heart and say, How's your heart? Is your heart okay tonight? Good habit. Good habit again too. How's your heart? Is it okay? Well, the song asks the question, how about your heart? Is it right with God? Would you ask Christ in today? Now, pause. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about, you know, again, you you know in Revelation 3.20 when Jesus stands at the door and knocks? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears me and opens the door, I will come in with him and sup with him and he with me. You understand that is speaking to believers. We use it for evangelism, but it's not an evangelistic verse. He's right. Remember, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. And so, so my question is this. You know, would you ask Christ in? Would, would you invite Christ? If I, was coming, if I was coming to your house, well, often this happens. I'll knock on a door, and the person goes, oh, hi, pastor. Um, pause. Pause. Waiting for them to say, come in. Would you like to come in? Please excuse my house. How many times have I heard that? you know? And I always say, huh, well, you know, no problem. I'm not here to judge your house. I'm here to just talk with you. you know? So anyway, and b- but here's the deal. If you ask, if Christ were knocking at your heart's door today, wanting fellowship, not relationship, fellowship, could you let him in? Would you say, excuse my heart, Lord, it's a little messy? Or could you ask him in today and say, come and sit and abide, abide in my heart today? How's your heart? Is it right with God? Would you ask Christ in today, is it black with sin? Is it black with sin? Or is it pure within? Is it pure within? Would you ask Christ in to stay, or could you ask Christ in to stay? And then the course goes, you know, people often see you as you are how? Outside outside. Jesus, on the other hand, really knows you, for he looks inside. How about your heart? Is it right with God? That's the thing that counts today. Isn't that good? Isn't that a good song? Now now listen to this verse. This is a little scary. Friend, (laughs) be careful when song says friend. Friend, how would you feel if your heart were made with a window on each side so that all could see not just outward charm but detect if inward harm and then the course goes people often see you as you are outside but jesus really knows you for he looks inside how about your heart is it right with god that's the thing that counts today so as we take a few moments, let's look at several... You know, the Bible has so much to say about the heart. Let's take several scriptures and look at the heart because the heart matters. When we're talking about character, the heart truly matters. First off this, and this, these are just really good verses. Proverbs twenty seven nineteen says this. Proverbs twenty seven nineteen. Now listen carefully. As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. As water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the person. So, now watch this. Now, I understand. What I'm fixing to say, I understand. I understand. What we do is important. But if Proverbs 27, 19 is true, of greater importance is not our actions, what people see on the outside, but rather what God sees on the inside. You know, have you noticed that, that we can act pretty good? Again, I, you know my testimony. I was saved when I was 21. And, and I was in, my church, in church all my life. And I sang in the gospel quartet. And I became famous for being able to get there and talk about how much I loved Jesus. And how I couldn't wait to go to heaven. And I sang this song called Country Boy, and, and how that, I didn't have much here, but boy in heaven, I was going to have it all. And I was lost as a goose, but people would cry, and they would clap. <laughs> Plastic. Bake. Not real. Not real. If you want to know a real person, what's real about a person, and of course we can't have this ability often, it's not, it's not what we see on the outside, it's how the heart is reflected. How the heart is reflected. So, how's your heart tonight? How's your heart? Not your outward appearance. How's your heart? Um, the second one is this under heart matters. Proverbs twenty one two says this, and these two and three go together. And I'm gonna have a scripture in between, so I need to warn you about that. Proverbs twenty one two says this: All a person's ways seem right to him. So, so when a person looks, you know, looks around, yeah, yeah I'm doing pretty good. Okay. All of a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. In other words, God examines our heart more than he does our ways. How about that? Now, there's a great scripture, and they're tied together. And it's that scripture where Samuel has been sent to the house of Jesse to look for a new king. Remember the scripture? Do you remember this? And so he's having all the sons pass by. Okay, and here we'll pick it up. So when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, the oldest son. And he was tall and handsome and rugged and all those things. So when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, Certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. Now question, why did Samuel say that? Because he looked kingly. On the outside, he looked good. All right, what did God respond with? Anyone remember? Okay, I'll read it to you. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his statue because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. That's huge. That's you. So when he says, you know, a man's ways seem right to him, but God weighs the hearts, God looks at our heart. God, no matter how plastic we may look, no matter how good we may look on the outside, you need to know something. God sees your heart. He knows the real deal. He knows what we do and why we do what we do. It's a huge thing. It's a great thing to remember for certain. And, you know, a while back... Um, I don't remember when. But a while back, I was talking about choosing a mate. And I looked at the students that day, and there was two that are special to me, special to me particularly, and that's Faith and Mackenzie. In some ways, Mackenzie, I know is like a daughter to the guest, and I guess kind of like a granddaughter to me. Um, But here are these two young ladies. I looked right at them, and I said, heart trumps flesh every time. Do you all remember that? Heart trumps flesh every time. You know you, you know, you may look around your, the mate you're going to spend your life with, and he's tall, dark, and good looking, and all of that. But, man, let me tell you something if his heart's not good, he ain't worth having. And, same thing, if she's just so stunningly beautiful you can't stand it, but she's got a sour heart, don't marry her. Because, more important, more important than flesh is heart. Heart trumps flesh every time. And guess what? It's true with God. It's true with God. God says, you need to know something. In my vision, in my way of thinking, heart trumps flesh every time. More more impressed in how many times you go to church, what percentage of money you give to the church, how often you read your Bible, how long you pray is your heart. Because you can, amen, you can go to church and you can write your check and you can read your Bible and you can pray and have a sour heart. God says... What's important is what I see. God judges the heart. Now, 21 three, Proverbs 21.3, that second verse is this. Now listen, doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Let me read it to you again because this is big. Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord Then sacrifice. Now, I bet if you play it right, you can figure this out real quickly. Okay? What what is doing, what is righteous and just is our daily activities, and you probably figured out that sacrifice occurs at the synagogue or at the temple on the Sabbath day, which for them was Saturday. Okay? So it seems to me we can say without twisting the scripture in any way, God seems to be saying this. What happens on the other six days is more important than what happens on Sunday. I think we can say that and not twist the word. God says, let me tell you what's most important. Yeah, Sundays are important. Uh-huh. That's great. But you know, what you know what's more important? You know what Trump's that? Is the other six days. It's not good enough to be just a Christian on Sunday. God says you need to be a Christian every day. Did you get that? That's huge, guys. So how are you with your husband at home? How are you with your employees at work? How are you with the boys in the mine? How are you with the kids in the classroom? How are you with the other tellers at the bank? How are you? We need to ask ourselves that question. Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Now, this is where it gets a a little... I almost want to flip the verses, okay? Because now we're going to go back to almost that same setting. We're going back to 1 Samuel 15, 22, okay? Now, I said Samuel was looking for a king. You remember that? He went to Jesse's house looking for a king. You remember that? Why are they looking for a king? Yeah, because Saul couldn't obey God, okay? Now, listen to these verses with this one. I'm going to read Proverbs 21, 3 again, and then I'm going to read in 1 Samuel. Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So, Samuel shows up to Saul. Okay? He's been ordered to kill the Amalekites, the Amalekite king, and destroy everything. Samuel shows up. There's Saul, and he's hearing sheep bleat and cows moo, and there's there's the king laying there, the Amorite king sitting there. Okay? All right. So, Samuel said. After Saul said, well, you know, I kind of kept the word of God, you know. Um, I, I did. The people kind of want to keep some of the animals to sacrifice. But, hey, I got the king here and I kind of obey God. Have you ever said I kind of obey God? Uh, yeah. Well, Samuel said in 1 Samuel 15, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Let me read it again. Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? So in our terms today, does God value your church attendance? Because that's where the sacrifices take place. Or over, over your obedience to the word of God? Which is more valuable? The fact you come to church or the fact you obey the word of God? Anybody want to gander? Obedience. Sure. In fact, he lays it out there. Look. That's what Samuel said. Look. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Rebe- for rebellion, and by the way, when Saul didn't obey God, it was called rebellion. And guess what it is when we disobey God? Uh, yeah, it's rebellion. For rebellion is like the sin of a divination. I love the old King James. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. You know, for rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. And defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. I mean, wow. How about that? That's strong. That's strong. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being a king. And the reason why they're looking for a king is because God said, you're not fit. You're not fit. Your character is not fit to be king any longer. Because you thought you could bring some animal back and offer a sacrifice, and that would somehow be okay. And it wasn't. Because you disobeyed. You disobeyed. So God weighs the heart, weighs the heart, and he wants us to know that doing just is more acceptable than sacrifice. So that leads us to this verse. Um, pro- now, this is a verse I use a lot. Okay? If, I don't know if anyone not – well, no, I'm sorry. I shouldn't ask that question. Um, you should memorize scripture some. Okay? I, I, the reason I said some is because I do some. I want you to know, Shane, I, I don't. Okay, I, I got, I, I can probably, I, I mean, I got several, several lots I can do, but I'm not like the person who memorized like six books. This is a scripture you need to memorize. This is a scripture you need to memorize, and it is easy, okay? It basically says this, above all else, guard your heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, because out of it is the wellspring of life. Wellspring of life. Some Some translations say the issues of life. Now, now notice what he says, above all else. What does that seem to imply? Of utmost importance, of utmost importance. Above all, guard your heart. Now, why would he say that? You know why? The heart is who we are. The the heart is where God looks. The heart is where God examines. The The heart is where God judges so, so the author in Proverbs, Solomon, says, You know, above everything else, guard your heart. Because out of it come the issues of life, the wellsprings of life. words, Out of your heart comes your character. Out of the heart comes your core values. Out of your heart, listen, listen, listen. Out of your heart is who you are. It's who you are. Okay, is, this thing is just huge. Warren Wearsby in, in the uh, commentary I was telling you said this. If we pollute that wellspring, okay, if we pollute that wellspring, the infection will spread and before long, hidden appetites will become open sins and public shame. Guard your heart because if your heart becomes polluted, it's going to spread. It's come out. Guess where it's going to come out of? Out of the abundance of the heart Speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if the wellspring is polluted, you won't be able to hide it long because it's going at the wrong time. So so, so be aware of this. If there's a verse you need to memorize, Proverbs 4.23 is a great one. It's short, it's concise, and man, there is power there. There is power there. So, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Now, now, with all that said, how about some heart trouble? What, what does it look like when your heart might be in trouble? Okay, well, here is just several verses. Let me throw some of them out to you. Okay, here is Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen. This is going to be the subtitle of "Beware a hard or broken heart, heart trouble." Okay, now Jeremiah. I am sorry. Let's start with Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is more deceitful than anything else in its natural state and in its backslidden state, you can't trust the heart. I just, I just it just felt right in my heart. Be careful. cause course, listen, look at me. Your heart will lie to you. Your heart will lie to you. Go back and read Romans chapter 7 again. Oh, wretched man that I am. The things I want to do. Who do you think was telling Paul that mess? Who do you think tells us all that? Yeah, I know Satan does, but it's our heart lying to us. Is a heart lying to us. Every time that, you know, I, you know this, this food thing, you know, I start eating sugar again, and, and all of a sudden something tells me, it's okay, it's going to eat the sugar, it's okay. You're walking five miles a day, it's okay. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, my heart wouldn't lie. My emotions wouldn't lie to me. Where did that come from? Okay, so, so, so the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? And then God jumps in and says, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. So understand that, again, your heart needs to be guarded and protected because it's weak. It needs to be guarded and protected because it's weak. Now, beware of a double heart. These are just scriptures I'll throw out. We're almost out of time. Beware of a double heart. Psalm 12, 2. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. A double heart. When a person is double-hearted, it's a divided loyalty. Well, what did Jesus say? No man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and the world. So be careful of a divided heart. Be careful of a double heart. Always always pay close attention to who owns your heart? You know, your heart will naturally chase what you treasure. For where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be also. So, so make sure that you have no divided loyalties, that Jesus is the, is the chaser, or you're the chaser. Your heart chases Jesus. Make sure of that, okay? Now, we're going to skip that big, long scripture if we don't have time for it. Secondly, a proud heart. A proud heart. Proverbs 21, 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart... And evil actions are all sin. That's what Solomon said. Haughty eyes, a proud heart, and evil actions are all sin. When you find yourself getting a little puffed up, thinking you're better than others. When, actually, it says haughty eyes. Let's start there. When, when you start looking at people and you, you you look down on them, you're better than them. Warning, warning. When you're a heart... I, I, I would never do that. I... I wouldn't do that. What did I say this morning? Bullseye on your chest. Get ready. Satan's fixing to shoot you. And evil actions are all sin. So be careful of a proud heart. Be careful of an unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart. Um, Hebrews 3.12 says, Watch out, brothers and sisters. Now, who's he talking to? These are to Christians. Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any of you with an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God to believers. Be careful, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be any in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. I was trying to find that song. The chorus goes, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, take my heart, take my heart, O Lord, and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Be careful of an unbelieving heart. Be careful as you journey through your life that you don't get infected with with a lack of faith, with an unbelieving heart. Beware of a cold heart. A cold heart. When, when things that are important no longer impact your life, when, when you're no longer touched with the lostness of humanity, when you're no longer touched with, with a sick, uh, sickness, when you're no longer touched with the, with the difficulties that someone is going through, uh, Matthew twenty four twelve. Be Because will, lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. Go, go. Don't be guilty of a cold heart. Well, Dwayne, what should I do tonight? What's my take home? I know you told me I should guard my heart. Um, What's the best way? Well, two scriptures. One is Psalm 51.10. Now, if you remember Psalm 51.10, it was what David wrote after he had been confronted by Samuel with Bathsheba. Okay? So Samuel comes and says, Thou art the man, and then he writes Psalm 51. Okay? And part of Psalm 51, verse 10, says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. So it's not wrong. And it's not like being saved again. It's not wrong to wake up every morning and say, God, well, first of all, I told someone this week. I was sharing with someone. And I said, you know, Lamentations 3.23, I think, I think, says, you know, your mercies are new every day. Do you ever thank God for that? Aren't you glad that God wakes up every day? You wake up every day and God's taking a an eraser and erased the board. And his mercies are new every day. And then goes, great is thy faithfulness. Because of the Lord's mercy, he said, we are not consumed. So I don't think it's wrong to say, God created me a clean heart today. Let me start fresh today. Let me start with a, a loving Jesus heart. Forgiving Jesus' heart today. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And, secondly, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God. Search me. Know my heart. Invite God. You know, again, I'm I'm standing at your door, Mary, okay? And, And, you know, you open the door and go, oh, man, I can't have him come in. I haven't cleaned my house yet. So so let me ask you a question. Would you let him in? Could you wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning is your take home. Can you wake up in the morning and say, hey, God, I invite you. Know my heart. Come on in. Come in. I, I want you to know my heart. I want you to test me. I want you to know my concerns. And, and here's the deal. Verse 24. Look, find out if there's any offensive way in me. God, I invite you to come in, look around, and I want you to tell me if there's anything offensive to you. You know, it's good, You me tell you a good thing to pray. Hey God, Holy Spirit, today, be my counselor, be my corrector, and be my convictor. And if I mess up, i please convict my heart that I'll know it. And then correct me that I might repent and turn from it. So, see if there's any offensive way. God, look around in my heart and is there anything in there, God, that's offensive to you? Now, it doesn't matter if it's offensive to your wife or or your friends or your children. It matters if it's offensive to God. Okay? So, see if there's anything offensive, offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So, take a look around. See if there's anything offensive and I want you to lead me in the everlasting way today. So, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above else. Guard your heart because out of it comes the issues of life. The core of who you are, your character, is not your actions. It's your heart. It's your heart. Let's pray. Hey, God, thank you for the privilege of being back in your house tonight and share this. And, Father, I know we've been challenged. I was challenged. I was challenged tonight. And, Father, I pray that as we wake up tomorrow, that we will invite you right into our hearts to take a look around. And God, give us the wisdom if there's something offensive to you, Father, to turn from that, to repent of that, um, to walk away from that. And then, Father, lead us, lead us in the way everlasting. Father, I'm grateful tonight that all this ain't on me. I don't have to do this stuff. You've given me the Holy Spirit. And He is my comforter and counselor, but He is my power. Uh, Holy Spirit, you're in me. The power of God lives within me and within us. So we pray we'll be wise enough to trust you and allow you to lead us um, through life. God, thanks for the good time. tonight. if there's any decisions that need to be made, Father, I want to ask in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you will draw people to yourself. There's some business that needs to be taken care of. Father, let us end the day in the right way with that. So, Lord Jesus, we pray through the Holy Spirit you'll speak to hearts tonight. And, Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Okay, would you stand, please? Dave, you've got a song for us, please.